welcome to Come Follow Up. I'm Barbara Morgan Gardner. And I'm Daniel Becerra. As scholars and religious educators, we're always searching for ways to help individuals and families apply the scriptures more deeply in their lives. Here on Come Follow Up, we look to enrich your daily studies of the Come Follow Me resource as we discuss life-changing principles and study the words of the prophets. We hope that our dialogue today can inspire you so that through the Spirit, you can uncover truths, experience new insights, and deepen your personal conversion. So let's follow up on Mormon, chapters one through six today. So Mormon gains a testimony at a very young age. He's given the plates and we're told he is sober and quick to understand. So then Mormon preaches repentance to the people there. He recognizes that they are without hope and the people didn't acknowledge the being who created them. Mormon then leads the Nephite armies to the final battle and he hides the plates in the hill Cumorah. Now, throughout the story, one of the things that we see is Mormon is faithful during affliction. Uh, he's suffering because his people are suffering. He's asking God, what do I need to do in these circumstances? And in order to, to kind of get at the depth and, and the richness of the doctrines here, we have a special guest with us. We want to welcome Tamu Smith. Thanks for coming. Here. Welcome. Thank you. Tamu, thank you so much for coming. I'm excited. Tamu Smith is the author of For Sisters in Zion. How'd I do? I mean, you could use some work, Sisters in Zion. <laughs> okay. Sisters in Zion is a blog dedicated to creating healthy conversations and also encourage religious unity. She's also featured in a humorous weekly radio program and has penned multiple books. Tamu offers vibrancy, perspective, um, her enthusiasm. Tamu is very excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ and is very contagious in her ability to get those principles and important points across. So Tamu, thank you so much for being thank here. You. We're thank excited. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I just want to say to um, everybody out there at home and everybody in the studio audience, if you feel an amen, say it, amen. <laughs> and so I grew up Pentecostal, so I call myself Pentecostal saint. It used to be Pentecostal Mormon, but we're not Mormon no more. So, <laughs> so Tamu, I know a little bit about you, enough about you to know that you and Mormon have a few things in common. And one thing I know that you have in common is this idea of being 10 years old and then being quick to observe some of the important things of God. Can you talk to us a little bit about your experience as a 10-year-old? Yeah, I grew up Pentecostal. My uncle was the pastor. And so we believe in heaven and hell. And when I was nine, my friend was 10, um, she was killed. She was hit by a car and killed. And I grew up going to church where you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's no in between. And so I wanted to know if she was going to heaven or hell because she didn't grow up in the same manner that I did. And my Sunday school teacher said she's going to go to hell because she had not given her life over to God. And, and because of that, she was going to go to hell. You guys, I can imagine how difficult. You're, you're, you're Tamu Smith. You're yeah, not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You have a dear friend who you're just being told is going to hell. And, and so go ahead. And so that I had to wrestle with that as a nine-year-old. My uncle would pray for us every Sunday, and he'd say, you know, raise your hands. Um, say, repeat after me. I don't want to go to hell because hell is hot and eternity is long. And so I'm just like, I didn't want her to burn in hell forever. Like eternity is yeah. long and hell is hot. And so I just, I remember praying, God, please don't send her to hell. And if there's something more, I knew what the spirit felt like. And I believed that God, that Jesus was the son of God. And I believed that Jesus came to earth. And I believed that and Jesus coming to earth, that he died for my sins. And I just thought, there has to be some sort of a safety net in there. <laughs> and so when we first went to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I knew 
before I, I didn't know any of the discussions. I didn't know about the Book of Mormon. I didn't know anything. Didn't even know the name of the church. I walked in and I, the, I felt embraced by the spirit, but I also heard your home, your home. And I turned to my parents and started begging them to let me join the church. We don't use this term in, in LDS spaces, but I feel saved. I yeah. feel like saved by Christ's love. And not that growing up in a Pentecostal church was bad, mm -hmm. but it was for my soul and for my spirit, I needed something more. Mm -hmm. And so this was the more, like God led me in this area so that I could have more. Yeah. And in a sense, like, like Mormon, he, he was alone. And, and you were very much that way. Yes, you had wonderful people, and yes, you had an incredible family, and right. they're so supportive of it as well. But just like it says in verse 15, uh, in a sense, you were visited of the Lord, right? Absolutely. You knew the Lord, you were visited of the Lord, and you were hap this was happening to you at a very young age. And this is at nine years old? I was 10 by this time. Right. They didn't come immediately. God didn't answer yeah. my prayers like that, but, I, I was light. but he answers. I was lighting fires in the desert when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> you and President Monson? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to transition to a family at home living in Australia. See if we can work together using our scriptures to answer the question. Okay. Our question came when we read Mormon chapter 4 verse 11, where it talked about how because of the awful wickedness and the carnage and the bloodshed of the time that every heart was hardened. So our question is, when tough times come and we're in the heat of our own battle, how do we not harden our own heart? Usually when I'm going through hard times, my hardest times involves other people, other people not doing the thing that I need them to do or want them to do. And that takes me back to when Jesus was entering into the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked his friends, just stay awake, just stay with me, just stay with me. And he goes in and he, you know, falls down in prayer and he comes back out and they sleep. Like, I'm just like, what kind of friends are these? Like, and it's Jesus. Like, you're sleeping on Jesus. Yeah. Stay woke, people. <laughs> but, but, you know, he had to keep going back. It was, it was a back and forth. And every time he'd walk out, they were sleeping. And so, and it's just reminding myself when I'm going through those hard things that I am not alone. Somebody experienced this before me. I'll make it. Well, Mormon 2, talk about feeling alone. He says in, in, in verse 18, Behold, a continual scene of wickedness and abominations has been before mine eyes ever since I've been sufficient to behold the ways of man. He seems to kind of say this like a bunch. Yeah. In every, in every chapter, he seems to remind us, well, by the way, I'm really alone, guys. Like, I'm completely by <laughs> yes. myself. I don't know if you they're, know they're kind this. of depressing <laughs> chapters. Like, yeah. somebody well, help this kid. And something that, that sort of stuck out to me is how right at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, he's, he's told where the scriptures are. Yeah. And he's, he's told to go dig them up, interestingly. And like, these are going to be your companion and these are going to teach you. And so for me... Anytime I feel alone as a Latter-day Saint, I feel like the scriptures are kind of like a friend in that you can read that there are people all through the ages who have tried to follow the Lord and Christ knows, knows our pain, knows our suffering, and, um, and we're never really alone. Thank you. Great Amen. insight. Yes. Amen. Yep. 
really appreciate your thoughts. So one more quick thought on the, on the video question. If we were going to search the word soften in the scriptures, we would find that typically when hearts are softened, two things happen. One, somebody's about to die and they get scared. For example, Laman and Lemuel when the boat, when they're in the sea and the boat's about to go under, that's what softened their heart. And another thing is that softens heart is the Lord. So look with me in 1 Nephi 2, uh, 16. So this is when Lehi and his family are leaving Jerusalem. Laman and Lemuel are murmuring. Nephi, it appears, didn't exactly want to go either. Uh, so what he does is he says, uh, having great desires to know the mystery of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart. And I love this idea that softening our hearts is not all up to us. The idea that we can rely on God. I have to imagine that if Mormon experienced any hardness of heart, it wasn't because he had sin and he'd become callous to the spirit or anything like that, but maybe he was just overwhelmed with pain and sorrow that he wanted to cut himself off. It's easier to not feel than it is to feel that pain and sorrow. But I'm not sure that's the, that's the course of action that our Heavenly Father wants us to take. You see that kind of feeling as you go through in, in chapter three of Mormon. Verse three, and I did cry unto this people, but it was in vain, he says. And they did not realize that it was the Lord that had spared them and granted unto them a chance for repentance. And behold, they did harden their hearts against the Lord their God. They began to boast in their own strength and began to swear before the heavens that they would avenge themselves of the blood of their brethren who had been slain by their enemies. It came to pass that I, Mormon, did utterly refuse from this time forth to be a commander and a leader of this people because of their wickedness and abominations. I mean, Mormon is basically saying, I'm, I'm done. I'm to the point where they've become so wicked, I'm no longer leading them. I'm no longer gonna be a part of it. But then verse 12, behold, I had led them, notwithstanding their wickedness. You can you just feel Mormon going through this. And I had led them many times to battle and had loved them according to the love of God, which was in me. With all of my heart and my soul had been poured out in prayer unto my God all the day long for them. Nevertheless, it was without faith because of the hardness of their hearts. I would have just wanted to run for cover, find a, find a forest somewhere where I could curl up and just take care of myself. But he's still in there doing the best he can. And later on, he says he's without hope. He eventually does go back to lead them. Like he, <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he says he repents of his oath. <laughs> and then he comes back and he repents of his oath. And what it, what it reminds me of is, I think it's Romans 5, 8, um, where Paul says that Christ, he loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved them so much he couldn't get up, he couldn't give up on them. This becomes the theme for everything that ends his ministry and then his son picks up later, which is the focus on hope, love, and charity, right? This idea that the, the only way you can really feel um, the spirit and, and be in tune with God is not to give in to that temptation of division and anger and hatred. Amen. Thank you. I think that God goes through great lengths to maintain relationship. If God gave up on us, then there would have been no more conversations once Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Not kicked out introduced to the new world right. out of the garden. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you see someone interject and they call on God for anything, he, he's there to answer, but they weren't calling on him. They were leaning on their own devices. Mm. As a parent, I think we can put ourselves in the same position. You know, we're trying to tell our kids or help our kids know the path to go. And if they're not listening, you're giving them those lessons after lessons after lessons, and, the, and then they don't listen, and sometimes you have to go, they'll have to learn that lesson on their own, mm -hmm. let them break a little bit, and have them have a more 
humble and receiving heart to come back. Mm -hmm. And we're still there with open arms and loving them. That's how he is to us. That's what I want to be to my children as well. I think there comes a point, even for God, where it's not that he's given up on us, but where we need to face the consequences of the choices that we're making. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do as parents too. And when you reach that point where you can't teach them anymore, sometimes they have to face those consequences themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, um, I don't think that's a lack of love on behalf of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think that's the next step in helping them learn to progress. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps it's like the prodigal son who, ha who had to come to himself. All of us need a doctor. All of us need a physician. All of us need the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives. So what do we do? And what is the example of this prodigal son? He comes to himself. He's, he's in the lowest of low, eating among the pigs, right? The swine. He recognizes that his father, and there's a lot of symbolism behind this, that his father's home is where he needs to be. So as he's coming home, what does his father do? He runs to him. If I would imagine somebody like my daughter or something like that going astray, like I can't imagine giving up on her. And it's just because... Like you love somebody so much, like you're, you're physically incapable of giving up on somebody. Um, but we don't feel that way for everybody. So how do we cultivate that kind of love? How do we cultivate that kind of endurance for people? Moroni 7, 47 and 48. But charity is the pure love of Christ and it endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it at the last day, it shall be well with him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart that ye may be filled with this love. Okay. So this idea of praying with all the energy of heart to have that love, to not give up on someone. And I want to say that there's a difference between not giving up on someone and sometimes having to separate yourself from a situation. Exactly. I mean, we saw that with Nephi and his brothers, Laman and Lemuel, right? I mean, clearly Nephi had a lot of love for his brothers and he had forgiven and he had prayed, but there comes a point when the Lord says, Nephi, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. I also want to say, though, that that's the exception. I don't think that most of the time the Lord wants us to physically separate ourselves, although sometimes there are those moments when that does have to happen. How do we make that distinction with our loved ones? From my own personal experiences, from people I've loved and cared about, or friends' experiences, I think that sometimes we know as members of the church, you know, we are supposed to be separate from the world. Um, there are higher standards for us to live. But I think, unfortunately, sometimes we can turn off other people who might be open to it by being too prideful ourselves or thinking that we're better than them. Yeah, I don't think that Mormon, even in all the heartache, I don't think that he thought he was better. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we don't put ourselves in a position of superiority or inferiority to anyone. But, but we hopefully recognize that we are all children of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't, <laughs> yes, that's true. We shouldn't, yes. There are times where I have been told to be quiet, which is so hard for me. Like, I'm just like, oh gosh, what? Because I see something happening. It's like I'm at the top of the mountain and I'm looking down and I'm like, and most of the time it's with my kids or with my husband or somebody. And I'm like, no, don't do it. And, and I'm told to be quiet and to be patient. And that is difficult for me. And I don't like it. But I, it's a silencer for me because of the relationship that I have with God and I trust that and he knows how nosy I am sometimes and that I want to speak. To have to sit there and be quiet is the, one of the most difficult things for me and I think that when my life is over and my kids go through my journals, they will see that most of the time my journal is full of stuff. Like when I'm writing, it's because I'm not talking to them about the thing that I know that they're doing, that I want to say something about. And I'm mad at God right now because he won't let me say anything because if I say something, it ruins everything. And so I just have to let them be in it. 
but they're going to read about it one day. <laughs> they get to hear it. So speaking about children and, and struggling, this comes from a, from a talk from Elder Ballard, uh, BYU 2017. It's just devotionals. The question was, if I have family or friends who are less active, how far do I go in my attempts to bring them back? And I love his response. He says, my answer is, please do not preach to them. Your family members or friends already know the church's teachings. They don't need another lecture. What they need, what we all need, is love and understanding, not judging. Share your positive experiences of living the gospel. The most powerful thing you can do is share your spiritual experiences with your friends and family. Also, be genuinely interested in their lives, their successes, and their challenges. Always be warm, gentle, loving, and kind. I think we see some of this, these feelings that Elder Ballard is talking about when you look at Mormon in chapter 6, starting in verse 16. And my soul was rent with anguish because of the slain of my people, and I cried. And then you know that the cry of, the cry of Mormon, O ye fair ones, how could ye have departed from the ways of the Lord? O ye fair ones, how could ye have rejected that Jesus who stood with open arms to receive you? I would imagine in this group of friends here and among us here, there have been many of us who have, have prayed and cried this kind of cry. I know I have. I know I have thought to myself, these are the people that I love so dearly. How can you actually do this? In verse 18, behold, if you have not done this, you would not have fallen, but behold, ye are fallen, and I mourn your loss. O ye fair sons and daughters, ye fathers and mothers, ye husbands and wives, ye fair ones, how is it that ye could have fallen? And I know that we have people, in a sense, that, that, that perhaps aren't on the exact path that we would like them to be on. They need to know that we love them no matter what. They need to know that we care about them. We want to hear about their lives and their successes. We don't cut people off in that way. It is the rare exception, if ever, that we do. It's always helpful to me to, re to remember it's not about us. It's, it's, it's about them and their relationship with the Lord. Um, the Lord tells us that he'll, he'll forgive who he'll forgive, but we're to, we're to forgive everyone, right? Amen. And it even says earlier, when he did refuse to lead them, he said, notwithstanding, I, was, uh, I had loved them according to the love of God, which was in me. Uh, the, the love that his son Moroni explained later, he had a lot of charity for them. And so I think we need to remember not to take it maybe so personally sometimes when, when someone steps away from what we think they should be doing. We're just called on to love them, no matter where their journey takes them. Even if it separates someone from us, um, we, we can find ways to reach out to them and, and uh, kind of like Elder Ballard said, said, live the gospel through our actions rather than preaching to them. Thank you so much. The timing is of the Lord's. I, I have a great aunt that was baptized at the age of 93. And not that that's always the, the best answer, but Sometimes it takes a lot more patience, and there are many people who in their lives continually go forward. Uh, they don't have to join the church. They don't have to do what we want them to do in order to be successful, wonderful, incredible individuals. And they need to feel that love from us regardless. So, so maybe another topic that we can just finish up on is, is this last part of, of Mormon where we're talking about um, the need to repent. And I think when we talk about repentance, sometimes we have uh, a negative experience or a negative vibe towards it. I actually had a mom one time contact me and say, my daughter's been asked to, to give a talk on repentance and everybody tells her that they're sorry that that was a topic that she was given. And she said, I'm actually really thrilled about it. How can we change this tradition of thinking repentance is a bad thing? President Nelson says this, can we begin to see the breadth and depth of what the Lord is giving to us when he offers us the gift to repent? 
He invites us to change our minds, our knowledge, our spirit, even our breathing. Repentance is a resplendent gift. It is a process never to be feared. It is a gift for us to receive with joy and to use, even embrace, day after day as we seek to become more like our Savior. So let me push back against that, not against him. Good job. Let, let, let me rephrase that so they can actually air it. <laughs> like, well, that, that, this scene is, uh, this is not going to be aired. Yeah, there'll be a new I'll moderator better. after this. <laughs> no, I get what he's saying, but it's really difficult, especially when the sin is bad. Like, how do we overcome the fear to experience the difficulty? Yes, there's joy at the end of the road, but going into that road is very, very difficult sometimes. Yes. For the longest time, I saw repentance as like a one-time thing mm -hmm. or like one time after I did something wrong. And maybe a weekly thing, like mm -hmm. before the sacrament comes, I repent. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's daily. And in the Bible dictionary, it talks about how repentance is turning. Mm -hmm. So every day where we're constantly turning towards Christ, and that's what makes it joyful, is Jesus Christ is the center of our joy. He's the center of our happiness. Mm -hmm. So when we turn towards him, we get to experience that every single day. I'd like to add that um, repentance is also reflecting and uh, Mormon gives us a really good example of that in the beginning of this section where he's reflecting on when he was a child and the things that he learned as a child and mm -hmm. the time probably that he gained his testimony. And that's something we need to do as we're repenting is reflect back on those learning experiences that we've had and mm -hmm. as Christ said, um, become unto a little child, be reflecting onto that time as we were learning as children. Something that my husband and I talk about a lot is that it's more about the direction that you're facing when it comes to repentance. It's not so much about making the perfect choices and not making mistakes, but making sure that you turn back to the Savior. With that, um, it's important that when we recognize, that we do recognize that we're committing sins, that we don't become prideful when we're sinning or having repeated mistakes. Um, and that we're also not becoming hypocritical and saying, oh, well, you know, someone else is making such a terrible mistake when we're sinners ourselves. I think for me, it's just the tiny, tiny little baby steps. If it's a problem that you struggle with your whole life, you're pretty well acquainted with maybe the process right. and you know, <laughs> you know what makes you tick or you know what kind of sets you down that path. And I think for me, it's going back to the daily repentance rather than weekly or whenever we feel we've really messed up, just mm -hmm. on a daily basis thinking, okay, it didn't go so well. Tomorrow, if that comes up, it still might not be perfect, but I'm going to change this one thing and yeah. I'm just going to make this piece a little better so that the next day I can work on the next piece mm -hmm. and fix it little by little. For me, I like what you said. It's really about staying in communication with God. Growing up, I had a problem. We had an arcade around the corner from our house, and so I used to borrow money from my mom without her knowing it. <laughs> and it's a great way of saying it, friend. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time taking, I wasn't taking quarters, I started taking bills, mm -hmm. borrowing bills. Yeah. I started to recognize that it was a problem. I mean, because as, I mean, you grow up in heaven and hell church, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I remember my uncle preaching a, a sermon saying, if you take a quarter out of your mama's purse, and I was, felt like he was talking right to my heart. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and so I think that for me, it just, I started praying about it. I started mm -hmm. communicating with God about it because hell was hot <laughs> and um, eternity was long, but it opened me up to knowing that I could communicate 
even about this, something that was very small. And I think that that is a step toward in repentance yeah. and the repentance process. And that act of communication, sometimes because of my sins, I can't muster the sincerity necessary to properly repent. And sometimes just talking to God about it, and he's helped me get to the place at which I can repent. I feel like sin, when you know that you're sinning, mm -hmm. it can be a burden and it's heavy. And we went backpacking as a family a week or so ago. They're heavy. You're loaded down with a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And as you're repenting and being forgiven of those sins, things rocks or tense mm -hmm. or you know, your sleeping bag, they're coming out of your backpack and it's lighter and you can feel that weightlessness and that joy that the Savior gives to us in that, in the, through the atonement. I, I can't help but think of the refinement that Mormon must have gone through, but the most significant example of all is Jesus Christ. If there was one person who, who could have held grudges, still being able to say, Father, forgive them. So we want to thank you. Thank you, Tamu, and thank, thank you. you, Daniel, and thank you, friends. Some great, fantastic questions, comments, and some wonderful scriptures we've talked about. We're eager to hear your comments and your questions on social media or in person, so join us next week on Come Follow Up. Thank you so much. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.